Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and this is On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And I'm sorry, I was just listening to that music. I like that music so much. I, Mike, where do you get that music from? Sometimes the hosts bring us some music, and we get surprised. <laughs> anyway, um, a good start for the day. We've got a great show today. Um, we're here in the studio with Jennifer Perry, who is the CEO of Lone Wolf Communications, and she uh, is a public relations and publicity firm, but she specializes in trying to help authors, musicians, and artists uh, get their work out in front of people. So, um, Jennifer, welcome to the studio today. Thank you, Joe. I'm very happy to be here. And um, let me introduce also Ken Gregory. Um, Ken Gregory is a, um, a longtime friend. Uh, he is the owner of uh, 800 East Studios and is also a very good uh, jazz musician. And um, uh, he is probably one of the very, very few people that I have met that have actually made a very, very good living being a musician. So kudos to Ken for... <laughs> For doing something that a lot of people haven't been able to do. So, Ken, welcome. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. Um, Jennifer, talk uh, first, talk to us about what your company is and what you do, what you specialize in. Lone Wolf Communications is a public relations and publicity firm. We do some copywriting and things and, and event management as well, or some calls marketing, but mainly we're entertainment publicists. Uh, and what makes that different from other publicity? is um, most public relations, well, it could be, you know, corporate, um, whether you're just dealing with your own uh, employees, internal corporate communications or external, dealing with your public, your customers, and so forth. Entertainment publicity, it's about getting the, finding the right focus for your client. And it's not always going to be the same, like with any other uh, client. But I have mostly musicians and some authors and artists. I need to know with each one what is the uh, the right genre of media or the type of media that fits their genre of music. And uh, as I said to somebody else, the difference between entertainment publicity and regular is that regular publicity has a lot to do with reputation management. Mm -hmm. Entertainment publicity, when I studied at UCLA, was more about we learned how to leak scandals from a movie set <laughs> so <laughs> which i guess is also a type of reputation management but just to get some advanced uh, uh publicity or some hype or excitement about a film you need to know when and how mm -hmm. and what day to sure. uh sure say so you're basically helping uh local mm -hmm. artists sell their product is that the best way to say that? Well, a lot of it's selling their product, but even more, you're letting people know who they are. And I've got clients also in um, um, all over the United States and some in Mexico. What I try to teach them is no one can buy your product, whether it's your record, you know, your CD, your book, your movie, your artwork. No one can buy it if they've never heard of you, if they've never heard it. And people think just because they have it, somehow there's going to be a, a vortex 
with them in the center drawing everyone to them to buy. But I mostly help them get themselves known and reach the right uh, television shows, radio, magazines, so that people can learn about them. Okay, good. Now, Ken, tell us what you do. Well, and when uh, someone asks you, King Gregory, <laughs> what do you do? What do you tell them? I'm a musician and audio engineer primarily, and that uh, is a pretty wide range of things, both those things. In music, um, I provide entertainment services for parties, weddings, company parties, uh, old folks' homes, restaurants, you know, whatever it takes, wherever, wherever we can make somebody happy doing and playing some music and singing the popular songs of the last hundred years, basically. Right. And then in the studio, basically, I help people make their CDs, bringing their project to life, you know, their dream of their music, try to get it to be sounding the way that they want it to sound, and, uh, you know, just make a CD that really represents the artist well and sounds good up to industry standards. And uh, But you're also a, um, a writer of music as well. Yes, I'm a composer as well and have done a bunch of stuff for CNN and the Weather Channel and uh, Warner Brothers and... Uh, would like to do more and more of that. Of course, that's great money. Any kind of TV, TV music is always great. You're not talking about it, but talk about Solid State. Solid State is my own uh, original jazz group, playing most of my songs and some of Bob Lewis, who's my trombone player. And we have been together about 33 years, I guess, and have played the Atlanta Jazz Festival twice, the Montreux Festival, the Atlanta Arts Festival, Inman Park Festival, most of the festivals around the southeast. And... Uh, so, you know, original jazz is one of the hardest musics to promote. So mm -hmm. you've got to do a lot yourself and really beat the, beat the ground a lot. It's wonderful music. Um, Thank you. What's the name of that song, the f Four Line Stink? <laughs> no. Skink? Four, five, five Line Skink. Which five is, Line yeah. Skink. If yeah. you're from the South, you'll <laughs> you, know what a skink is. You've seen these little lizards out running around <laughs> with the blue tails. And, uh, <laughs> so a lot, a lot of my songs are written on what, about what happened that day. Not necessarily about that, but... When I'm looking for the name of a song, then I'll say, ah, there's that five-line skink again. That's got to be the name of this song. So. Well, Jennifer, how do you help someone like Ken? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's hopeless. <laughs> how would I help someone like Ken? Well, it depends if he wants help for his studio or for his band. Um, I would make sure that people, that, uh, the press maybe, or uh, local radio stations played him. And believe me, college radio... Is, is, is very strong and it's mm -hmm. very uh, useful uh, to, to getting people's music out. There's a lot of people I would have never heard, hmm. um, even, you know, even though I'm not in college now, if I hadn't listened to college radio recently. So mm -hmm. get, a, get a, some airplay. You know, you don't have, he's, I, you're, are you with a big label or anything? No. Nope. doesn't matter. Right. All you got to do is just get yourself on the radio, and there are several stations that will still play someone. Um, college radio, there's several channels on XM radios, uh, satellite radio that would play you. I would, first of all, make sure that your music got out to be heard by everyone possible, send you out to college uh, radio mm -hmm. or, or XM or internet radio, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then also make sure that I, I got you written about. I got um, mm -hmm. a client written up in um, uh, Bass Musician Magazine last mm -hmm. week with his, or last month with his uh, new CD. Uh, he's not with a big label. He's an independent, but that's a nice magazine. And mm -hmm. I've had clients written up in or featured in Musician's Friend, which we you guys know is... Uh, the magazine or the company that sells music equipment, but they also have an online magazine. Uh, that's a good company, by the way. Yeah. yeah, so there's that. I'd make sure you get written about, get you on TV, some radio, some, you know, mm -hmm. let people know who you are and where to find you. Um, so I would say that your job is as a pub 
publicity person is probably harder in this realm than someone else because um, everybody gets blasted every day from all points of view with all kinds of different music and stories and and news stories and everything like that. So I guess you have to find a way to differentiate it all, don't you? Yeah, you have to find your spot. You have to find your target audience. And one of the things, though, we have so many uh, tools and opportunities now that we never had before, uh, social media. And but a lot of people don't know how to properly use social media. They think, well, I'll get Facebook, and I'll just slam my stuff all over it, and I'll be famous. Or as one of the slides, I do an online webinar teaching musicians uh, DIY publicity and also for um, authors, too. And one of the frames says, well, I, I got a Twitter account, like you told me. Nobody's bought my CD or my book. I knew it wouldn't work. <laughs> and well, yeah, you don't just you don't just uh, spam people with get this, get this by me, look at me all the time. You have to get on there and engage. And then what I usually do is with the new client, I'll usually take over their Twitter. Right now, I'm a ghost tweeter for about twelve people, including a publishing company. Ghost tweeter like a ghost writer, but it's more mm -hmm. active. And what I do with each one is. I have a formula. I look for who would be their peers and what they do because I find that a lot of people, a lot of the artists will support and give help to each other, hmm. unlike some other businesses. And they don't feel there may be some competition, but they also know that they can help and it's usually reciprocated. I will also find the group of people who love that type of, of music mm -hmm. and find their audience and connect them with their audience. And then I also look for another group that would be the influencers of their audience, their peers, and the people that they need to reach in media. Mm -hmm. And so once I have them in motion with people like that, then I find ways for them to interact in a friendly and fun way. So it's not like it's some creepy person stalking them to get a, a deal. It's more like, oh, this person's a lot of fun. Let me learn more about them. Mm -hmm. And so you're helping, uh, you're helping people with uh, trying to get a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, poems, basically any kind of intellectual property, is that fair to say? I think it would be, yes. Okay. Because okay. it's usually all in, uh, original material. Why is all that tough, such a tough sale? Because there's so much of it? It could be that it's still an unusual, still for many people, the idea of intellectual property is a tough concept to, to grasp, whether it's because they say, well, if they know it, you know, can't they tell me? I'll help. You know, they don't understand that this is something that you've created and built yourself. You don't want to just hand it away. Um, and then again, you don't want it to be, uh, some people think, well, it's like the Carl Jung's collective mind theory mm -hmm. that, you know, well, you think of it, somebody else will think of it. It's no big deal. But it is. It's very precious. And in, in this day and time, you think about even people who create um, apps, it's all the Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley startups, you know, that's intellectual property. Right. Even though you, you know, use hardware to, uh, um, to, to build it. I, I think that's kind of hard. You know, it's just sort of like, um, and I don't know if this is where you're leading to as well, but it's like when you hear someone say, uh, I remember a woman said, you know, I couldn't believe when I first heard Eva Cassidy after she had passed. And I mm -hmm. thought, how many times had I ever seen her in person? And why did I not buy her CD? And why was it important? Well, I think we've been, a lot of people have been raised to think if it's good, 
it would be on TV or on the radio. Mm-hmm. But if they're at the local place and they're selling the CDs or the books out of their trunk of their car, it can't be that good. Um, Ken, what are some of the successes that you've had in, uh, in trying to get your music out there or your product out there? Where I guess where have you been the most successful? And then also, what are some of your biggest frustrations that you have to get over? Well, on the success side, I guess most of that has been pretty much word of mouth. You know, I've never uh, had the advantage of hiring a publicist, which now I'm seriously thinking about after hearing Jennifer talk here. Um, But uh, I've been fortunate to have been, or fortunate, I I presume, to be in the same town all my life. So, so many people here in Atlanta know me. And so I I get, you know, a lot of word of mouth business to my studio as well as for my my musicianship Mm -hmm. stuff. So uh, um, I guess the greatest success is when somebody calls you and says hey can you do this gig and you say yes and and you go do it and everybody's really happy that just always feels great to play for people and have them like it and uh frustrations of course are uh many as as with any original uh, art form uh, trying to get your stuff out there you know, where a lot of people can see it mm-hmm. is is the hardest part for somebody like me i'm, I'm basically an, an in the trenches type producer guy like basically i either play music or record music, and I'm on the, on the creative side of everything. People like me are often uh, alien to the publicizing world, you know, and like, like Jennifer said, you know, just sticking it on Facebook or doing a blast of an email just doesn't do the job. Mm-hmm. You've got to engage with people, and that's, I guess that, that would be a success of mine is having been engaged and coordinated with so many good people in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's been mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, Jennifer, who are, who are some of the folks that you feel like that you've really, really helped, in other words, that have gone from complete obscurity, but they've kind of found their little niche? Well, you may not know their names, but um, you'll know who they work with. Years ago, I had a television show on cable, and it was an entertainment show, and I would always want to promote the artist. And before, I would talk to them and say, Considered this because we would, even though it was public access, we bicycled them out, as I said then, to other stations in other states. And I said, think about if you wanted to use this show as as a showcase of yourself and as an audition Mm -hmm. show, a tape or video show, let's let's consider it like that. And so uh, two guys really took me to heart on this. They did a great job. The music was great. The interview was great. We even did a couple of... uh, parodies of some Time Life book commercials with it and had a good time. Well, next thing I know, they used the show to get their job. And I didn't know about it till one day my group was playing somewhere and one of the guy's wives said, I know you. And then she remembered the thing and she says, yes, you were on the show and she says, with my husband. And so now these two guys, uh, her husband Tim, or her husband then, Tim Smith and Peter Stroud used the show to get the job they've had for about 10 years now, which is they're both in Cheryl Crow's band. Wow, okay. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty nice. So it's just, how, what, is it, um, how do you get, should people expect to just get plucked from a, obscurity like that, or is it just, it's just persistence, determination? Because what I've found is there, there's not that much difference sometimes between a really good local musician and then someone you hear on the radio. I mean, what's the difference? Sometimes it's the difference. It is persistence, um, and it's knowing how to make your work, to, to, to get it out to the world. 
Um, everyone sure doesn't have the same opportunities. Maybe some people have to work a full-time job. But then again, that doesn't always um, mean that the other person who doesn't is going to be successful because I had a client whose uh, parents were footing the bill all the way saying, you know, this kid's going to be a star, so we don't want him to worry about working. And yet I couldn't get I, I couldn't get this kid to a TV station on time or anything, mm. you know, because he he had no skin in the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really answer the question. They, there's uh, they have you have to be seen. I always say it's it's like uh, Jimmy Carter or the Bible said the prophet's not heard in his own land. Mm. So you have to get away from home, and you're not going to make any money the first right. Uh, right. You're yeah. not going to make any <laughs> money when you first do it. But find places where you know you've got somebody's uh, who will let you stay on in a guest room or on the couch, and get out and get known and be nice to people too, because people also remember how you act. I've always told told them when you go to a club. Let me tell you something. They don't care if you can't sing. They don't care who likes you. All they care about is, are you going to bring people in right. to ring the register? And you can't blame them for feeling that way. They've got families and bills, too. So, um, But be nice to the staff, because if there's ever an opening, if there's ever an extra slot, they need to come up somebody, they'll say, well, yeah, bring King, yeah, bring Gregory in. Mm-hmm. He had a great crowd. He was nice to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're gonna, the staff is always going to be able to help you when you think they can't. Mm-hmm. That's it. By the way, you are listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is Joe Moss, and we have um, Jennifer Perry, who is a, um, uh, I guess, uh, a publicist, but but just for people of the arts, be it books, um, written material. Um, you, I guess you work with actors as well, and just about anybody within that realm, right? Well, you know, I just got a... Uh a call two weeks ago from a man, uh, Brian Banowitz, who is a, a film producer. He had been in China. I'm not sure. I think he's, uh, I'm not sure he's British or American, but he'd been in China. And he said, okay, I'm going to, he was in, uh, now he's at Universal Studios. So he's asked me what I work with actors. So mm. I said, okay. Before um, I launched my own business, I worked for an agency that, um, whose one of their clients was HBO Documentaries. Mm-hmm. And also Feld Entertainment, you know, that does all the Disney High School Musical on Ice and so forth. And whenever I worked on HBO documentaries, one thing that made perfect sense to me that they believed in was that they didn't care how many where the placement was that I got. If they were going to a certain city with a documentary, and I got interviews for the producers or the actors, or I got them placements, which means something featured, whether it's a paragraph or a whole story in a magazine, newspaper, uh, online magazine, whatever. They didn't care if it was something that was printed out in somebody's basement for 30 copies or if it was the local major paper. Every single one mattered to them. Hmm. Okay. And it should matter to everyone else, too, especially when you're gathering up your clippings and so forth to put on your website so people can see what other people thought about you. Well, I think this is a uh, the thing that I kind of want to relate to any small business is we've got Ken Gregory, who... Um, um, is just a real professional, very, uh, really, really good artist in what he does with the, with the jazz, but also with the the production that you do and and the performing. Um, but you're somewhat obscure, and and so it could be a you could be a small business out there that you do a lot of things extremely well, but you've just not publicized yourself. You haven't let people know about yourself. And um, 
And Jennifer, that's where you come in. So I think it's just real important for mm-hmm. for for uh, for folks that that want to just focus on making themselves really professional and really good. They also need to think about letting other people help them um, tell the rest of the world about what you do. If I could say something, Joe, that I couldn't say that more beautifully because there are people who who will help you. You know, if you're nice. Um, I had a client that I booked on a TV show, a morning show, to, to launch his CD. And I got him on a show in Birmingham, Alabama. The popular morning shows like most you know, major affiliates in, their, in big towns have. And I thought, well, I hate to go all the way over there and not have anything else to show them off so they can say, you know, at the end of the show, and if you want to see more, go here. So I got on Twitter. And I said, I've got my client on this show. And I named it so they'd know it was a big deal. Um, in this town at this time, is there any place, any venue out there? Because I, I was short on time, so I just mm-hmm. blasted it out. Is there anyone who can possibly offer him a venue to play that day so it can be announced on this show and so forth, so just to make it worth the time? I got uh, a guy that owns an art gallery in a hip little area there called Avondale. He, loaned, he said, well, you can have my art gallery. I'll be there. Um, he also had a wine import business, and so he offered a free wine tasting for everyone that attended. Mm-hmm. Two other restaurants in that area brought in uh, plates of food. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then uh, social media uh, groups there and uh, the newspaper, they said, oh, okay, well, we'll go ahead and plug this because it's only for, we'll go ahead and plug this like crazy on our social media sites and our magazines. And what was that? What was that CD store that, that music store that we played in, Ken? Oh, gosh. Um, it was in Decatur, wasn't it? No, um, it was up in, uh, there was an old CD music store that CD Media or Music Matters or something. Yeah. And I remember um, just just what you said. We, we had um, we'd finished some work, and, and someone said, well, you need to go put it in the store. And I didn't know how to do that. So I just called the purchaser. Well, you want to do this? And they said, sure, bring it on in. We'll go ahead and sell it. And by the way, would you like to come in and just play? So there we were on a Saturday afternoon. Right. And the customers loved it. The people at the register loved sure. it. It was uh, turned out to be a lot of yeah. fun. So sometimes you just got to, you never know where it's going to pop up. Yep. You got to draw attention to it. Exactamente, mi amigo. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got it. Yeah. Um, and. No publicity is bad. But what's the old adage? Is there such thing as bad publicity? Yeah, they used to say, yeah, no publicity. Uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. That used to be a saying that went around. But then that was before. That was from back in the old Hollywood days, and and then and past that, you know, early Hollywood and beyond. That was before the days of. Um, uh, well, okay. To put it this way: This is what happens to a publicist. I was working on a client for this other agency, and the guy happens to be a celebrity chef, and he's also the chef to Mel Gibson. Hmm. And just as we were pitching him to television shows, that's when Mel had his big rant Hmm. that went everywhere. And nobody wanted to touch this guy. Hmm. So, yeah, there can be bad publicity now. (laughs) Um, Even if you're not the one that does it. Even if you're not the one that does it, yeah. Well, Ken, you're a big – I want to add a little levity to this show, and let's just kind of – We've got uh, another 10, 15 minutes. Um, tell us some of your uh, stories about performing. Um, <laughs> you got some good ones. This is, you a, can family show. This is a family show, right? Well, kind of, sort of. but uh, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> some of my funniest stories are some of the things that has happened to Jenny Michelson, really. 
she was walking to a gig one time. She's carrying two big platters of uh, eggs and biscuits, like, you know, egg sausage biscuits. She's walking up to the venue. Somebody on the balcony says, hey, Jenny. She looks up and walks right into the swimming pool. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you also do a lot of uh, weddings, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do as many of those as possible. The, the uh, wedding market has kind of dropped out here recently since the supposed 08 crash, you know, the economic crash, and a lot of the folks with... Well, I thought it was coming back. It is. It's a very, very slow process. Like, And now the uh, live musicians, in some cases, are aging out because the... Uh, it's the rap and hip-hop. Our kids have, have been raised on rap and hip-hop, which live bands generally don't do. You can have a DJ for that. So DJs are cutting into our business as well quite a bit. I seem to remember that. Um, and, um, and, but uh, playing for weddings is not what it's all. Uh, you kind of get used a little bit, don't you? Well, it depends on how you're treated, yeah. largely. Sometimes you can be treated like, you know, like you're part of the guests that is you are a guest at the wedding you have a table you eat with the guests and you're treated like a real human being as opposed to getting shuttled off to the back hallway with a bologna and white bread sandwich and and you know you can't even be in the room where the guests are so it's you know when you're treated nicely people tend to do a much better job they feel appreciated and you're going to get up there and just play it with your whole heart rather than feeling like ah what am i a waiter or something you know so Uh, i think what we ought to do is a uh a movie about uh uh, something i guess the like the wedding singer we Uh ought to be the the wedding musician or something like that like a spinal tap sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just a many many funny stories have happened especially working in clubs i I uh, did 10 years in nightclubs, six nights a week from about 1970 to 1980. And some of the things that would happen, you know, at these different little nightclubs around at the Sheraton and the Ramada Inn, or sometimes you might be working in a country joint. And uh, I mean, they'd, they'd have the amateur contest, the wet t-shirt contest, the dance contest, and each night is a different contest. And one night, one, one, one woman just stripped off everything she had on, just went running naked through the whole club. And of course, she won the contest. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that, little little gems of that's, <laughs> excitement. That's pretty funny. We that's tried to remember funny. what we exactly we were playing when that happened, so if we could possibly right. generate that again. Right. Well, Jennifer, um, back to your, uh, you got this Promote This DIY, DIY Publicity Webinar. Talk about that a little bit. It's an hour and a half, and it's interactive, which means that when we're online, everyone knows or can either see the comments, or if it's a small group, I'll turn on the audio. Otherwise, you can read the comments of the other people participating. And I take them through how to put together their uh, press kit, the electronic press kit, and I teach them how to do the old con so that they understand the concept of it. And also, I tell them if you've got an actual hard press kit, people can remember that better if it's sitting on their desk. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I take them through how to get a gig, how to treat the media when they want to get uh, mentioned for a gig or get interviewed or have someone come review them. Tell them what things will make the media love them and what things will make them never get in the paper, or at least not with a good review ever again. Uh, a lot of it's just good, you know, courtesy and, and mm-hmm. so forth. But still, mm-hmm. they need to know how to treat Because so many people, you know, the press these days, the media... Um, a lot of newspapers and magazines have had to downsize, so people are doing several jobs, and they don't always have time to get out. I teach them how to write a press release so that they, if it's written well, the person can just cut and paste, got it done, mm-hmm. there in, send the nice picture. And I teach them a little about social media. I teach them how to, uh, basically how to expand beyond their local circle 
and get their stuff out to the world, but find the right place for them. Uh, Ken, when someone comes up to you and says, uh, gosh, I think I want to get into music and write music and I want to be a star, Mm -hmm. what do you tell them? I say you need to learn everything about music and everything about um, the music business as you possibly can, particularly the music. You need to learn how music works and and learn how to be nice to people and cooperate and be accommodating. Um, Have to uh, have a real sharp skill set on a number of levels. Be know about sound, know about music, know about singing, know about playing several instruments. Uh, And the fact you're you're probably not going to be a star overnight. It's very rare. It's like winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've been trying it for you know fifty years myself, and still hadn't happened. So, and I've got a lot of a lot of great music, and basically, I feel like still, if I could get it out to the world, I'd I'd be a big hit. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it hadn't happened yet. But you keep on plugging, just perseverance, and and learn everything you can about every aspect of the music, and always be nice to people. Would you agree with that, Jennifer? Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I would. In fact, some of the, a lot, most of the folks out there who are what we would call stars didn't necessarily start out planning to be stars. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the case? I mean, like Carol King, for example, you know, some of the crowd we yeah, would know. Wanted to write songs, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think some of the other artists. I think Sheryl Crow was like that, too. Yeah, and you know, I could tell you back in, uh, when I was doing my show, which is in the 90s, I had guests on that might not have been famous then, mm-hmm. Um but sometimes you could tell who was going to be just by how, not only their work, how they handle themselves, but how they handle themselves um, with other people, how they treated my crew. One guy came in so polite to the crew, um, even wrote me a thank you note that I still have. And uh, a few years later, that's Sean Mullins hit it big yeah. with his first mm-hmm. set. But then there were some other people that came in that acted like we should, you know, just um, roll over for them or whatever. Never heard from them again. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I have anything to, had anything to do with that, but I have a very devoted crew. Yeah, yeah. That's Sean Mullins. Is they, a, Sean, they certainly had something to do with it. <laughs> Sean Mullins is a real good example of a wonderful musician and mm-hmm. songwriter that just hasn't got a lot of notoriety. But uh, I, I don't know that he cares because he's probably found his little niche in the music world and is just as happy as he could be. Yeah, um, he can sell still sell out a house, so that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Ken, how would you relate all this discussion back to being successful in a small business? Because you've, you have a small business, you've been successful. So right. how do you relate all this into success factors for other small business owners? Uh, I say the biggest thing, uh, I think, is find a niche and find a price point that works for the service that you provide and be better at it than anybody around you as much as you possibly can. Provide a superior service. Find a uh, a middle price ground that's not too cheap and not so expensive that you're going to price you know regular musicians out of the thing. Mm-hmm. It depends on who you're dealing with in many cases. Like if Coca-Cola is coming in to do an ad spot with you, you can charge them more than you can the guy who's working in nightclubs to try to make a living. So um, you know you try to try to have a sort of a sliding scale in some cases. Help some people out, give away some time, you know, uh, just. I think in every business, the way you make money is by trying to help people. And when you help people, that's when good things come back to you and you make money. Mm-hmm. And you you can't just go after it for the buck. You can't charge every, you know, for the second somebody walks through the door in your studio, you don't start the clock rolling. You hang out, spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it takes, get everybody comfortable, 
take your time. Don't charge them for every second. You know, give them extra stuff and just try to provide the best service that you can. And I think that's true of every business. We talked about this last week, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. that if your position, if your if your um, if if your objective turns out to be just to help people. The money follows after that, That's right. the profit. Now, you do a great job of that because I know that you help other musicians mm-hmm. do recordings, but all that stuff has come back to you in a lot of respects because you know they help, they ask you to come do right. shows with them, et cetera. So it's kind of a, it's a big circle that yeah. you've created. Never be afraid to give something away. Donate your time. Donate your expertise. Say, oh, well, I can help you with that as well. Yeah, they might, might have come to you for one thing. And they're saying, well, gosh, where can I find a trombone player? Well, just so happens i got a trombone sitting over there. I'll play trombone for you for nothing. Just comes with the studio time, that sort yeah. of thing. So offer extra services and just be as accommodating as possible. And then, and then uh, Jennifer, in your work, how would you relate what you do back to small business in general in terms of how to be successful? Know what the client wants. And deliver that. Now, who is your client? Who do you see your client to be? Now, my client would be the musician, but who is their audience? If I, but when I did gigs like Ken did, more often the client would be whoever the bride, mm-hmm. or um, or if I did a lot of things corporate work for maybe Hewlett Packard or J.D. Mm-hmm. Powers would come to town and want a band. And I'd find out what do they want. Do they mm-hmm. want like some old swing? Do they want some standards? Do they want some new stuff mixed in? Find out what they want. And a lot of people sometimes they're afraid that the band's going to be too loud. You, you know, right. like uh, are they going to be upset? So sometimes I would just start off from the very beginning. I'd go to the person, the people in charge. And I'd say, now, listen, if you want this to be quieter, if you think we're too loud, let me know. Because you know what? We are easy to get along with. We're in the people-pleasing business. We're here to make your night good. So you tell me what you want. We will not be offended. And, Ken, I love your comments about find the right price point. Um, and um, uh, and then also what you, you know, kind of value price. Yeah. Charge differently for whoever the customer might be. Yeah. Um, you know, those are those are good lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Good lessons learned. Just try to help as much as you can. It always comes back. Yeah. Well, um, Jennifer, talk about some of your... Um, Good stories, but also you'd written down here nightmare stories. I, I kind of <laughs> like the nightmare stories more than the good stories. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, nightmare stories. Uh, these are things that will never get you back into a club or a certain town. Um, I had a guy that I said, you know, you need to get on the road. You need to get out and meet different people. And so I uh, booked him somewhere out of town. And... Uh, it was, a, it was a kind of club where they don't pay, you know, the BMI dues. It's all original music. So they said, you know, you cannot. They all had to sign, all the musicians on the bill had to sign a statement that they would not pay play original music. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy went into his attitude. And uh, what he would do, he would play for a while. Then he would make some rude comments about the people for a while. And then he would start playing a song, a cover song by Billy Joel or somebody. That he was not supposed to play. Exactly. <laughs> and then after he got about halfway through, then he would stop. And, uh, yeah, that was just, I'm just cringing on the side because I know these people that run the place and I got him in there. They didn't know him from anybody, but they did it for me. It's a favor. And, uh, which reflects badly on you next time you need a favor. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking, you know how, cause he's got, you know, he's like almost like he's backed out a few times and he's finally in there. Yeah. Yeah. And he did that three different times with playing the music and then he made fun of the people there and stuff. And 
uh, that was yeah, that was quite a nightmare. And Did you have to sit through this? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Okay. In fact, that was the last night I ever talked to him. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think what a lot of musicians need to know and remember that it, it's a service business. We're providing entertainment. It's a service. Just like any other service professional, you better go in and do the best job you can and be as nice as possible and leave them wanting more. Yeah. And uh, I know you have to, you, you don't like to say it a lot of times, but the customer is always right. Yep. Even in my business, you know, and. Uh, even it, when they're wrong, they're right. Yeah, even when they're wrong, they're right. And you just got to find a, a way to uh, help them settle it out. So um, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, Jennifer, what do you say to someone who um, says, you know, I've got a book idea in mind? What do you tell them? Okay. Have you started writing it? And you know. uh, they say, well, I'm kind of about halfway through it. What, do you, what should I do now? Do you think you can sell it for me? Uh, the thing to do at that point is once you wait till you finish the book and then get an editor. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you hear the writers will hear this uh, admonition over and over, kill your darlings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got one guy that had... I tried to work with him. He had a great book, but he will not edit it to save his neck. And I've had publishers talk to him about it. I had a client of mine who, um, whose book has not only uh, is being shot for a, a movie right now. He's got a film agent, and even that guy read part of it. He says you've got to edit this thing, and the guy was so hard headed he wouldn't. So like we can't sell it. We can't sell it to a lit agent or anybody or get it in anybody's hands because he will not edit it. So first of all, go ahead and finish your book. Then after you finish it, get an editor, a professional editor, to uh, go through it with you. And then you start shopping it to uh, go f- try to find a literary agent or a, um, a publisher. There's the writer's market uh, has a director they put out every year of literary agents and one of publishers. Mm-hmm. So you can find the right fit for you, the right agent, and the right fit for your genre of books. And if you decide to go independent, which a lot of people are doing now, and a lot of the stigma is gone, the stigma is gone because a lot of people do get uh, editors. So it's not quite the, the the sludge that people used to see and think, oh, it's a self-published book. No, thanks. Yeah, th- this is one of the um, – th- this is a business. This business, the, the book writing business, um, kind of like the restaurant business, in that um, you can't I – don't, I don't think you should can go into it thinking you're going to make a lot of money. You have to be in it because you just – that's what you want to do. Yep, same with music, too. It has to be a passion. You have to be committed to it, even if there's no money. Even if there's no – I mean, you just got to keep at it, like the book business. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of – you just have to want to write. Yep. And if you happen to make some money off of it, that's wonderful. Yep. But um, in some other business – but even the gentleman we had last week, um, he just wanted to be in the moving business. And at the time in his life, I don't know that he knew – that he was going to be doing $10 million in revenues, you know, 15 years later. Wow. I just had no clue. But I don't think that's what motivated him. What motivated him was, I just want to be in this business. I want to do a good job, and I want to try to have happy customers. Mm-hmm. So And happy employees, too. Your management style has a lot to do with everything. Yeah, and that's why I think musicians and, uh, and people in the arts have a lot to teach because they're very patient, they're very passionate, they're very talented, and uh, they're, they are um, they um, are in it because they want to be in it, 
Mm-hmm. If success comes, fine. If not, I'm still going to be in this business. Going to do it anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, we have reached the end of our time. Uh, it, this time flies by when we're we're sitting here, but we all have a lot of fun. Um, Jennifer, do you have any parting words of advice for people out there that are have something they want to try to publish and and get out in front of people? Actually, yes. Um, approach it as a business, not in a cool way as, as you might think, but as a professional. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a musician, think about your act, videotape yourself, watch yourself, watch yourself with the sound off. Listen to it with the video off. But learn how to polish your act. Same thing with an author. Learn how to, how to approach it from a publisher's point of view. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how, and you probably don't, it's okay. These days you can learn almost anything on Google or the Internet. Uh, there are people who have blogs about publishing and so forth where you can learn things. And now you can even go to writers' conferences where you can... Uh, for maybe an extra fee or a little extra or just uh, extra time, you can get an appointment or a short interview with a publisher or literary agent just to talk about yourself and your book and get a professional to help you that really understands the biz. Also plan ahead, though, too. If you're a self-publisher, start promoting at least six months before it's published. Hmm. Hmm. Um, we That's Jennifer Perry. She is the president and CEO of Lone Wolf uh, communications and can help you with a lot of publicity. And Jennifer, what's your phone number so people can get a hold of you? It is 404-625-5225. And your email is jperry at lonewolfcom.net. Yes, C-O-M-M dot net. Lonewolfcom, C-O-M-M dot net. Or on the weekends and nights, you can catch me outside the drive through window at Chick-fil-A picking up change that drops. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because she wants to be in this business. I need a little extra capital now and then. Mama needs a little help. Cash flow, yeah. And uh, Ken, what's some parting advice for uh, folks in this in this business? Um don't go into it thinking you're going to be a, a chick magnet or a star or anything. If you love music, do the music. And uh, if if you really want to be involved in the music business, learn everything you possibly can about music, sound, publishing, the business. If you're really serious about it, you got to explore it all. And uh, Ken, how can people get in touch with you? I'm at 404-688-9388. That's 404-688-9388 or kenmgregory at gmail.com. Good. Well, thanks for being on the show, both of you. Thank, Thank you, Joe. Uh, Appreciate it. Um, as you all know, the music is a, is a particular um, area that I'm passionate about. Um, but I also know that this business can teach other small business owners some things because you do have a, a difficult product to sell in a world that's got a whole lot of it, whole lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. So thanks for coming in. Thanks and, for having um, You've been listening to On the Money. This is Joe Moss. This is brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And uh, thanks for listening in. And as always, be careful out there, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.